On this week's show, we're going to be talking to Finn Russell all the way from Paris, France. We're going to have a little word from Hannah Tyrrell on Pieta House's Sunrise Appeal. And it will be also dissecting Ulster versus Leinster in the 2013 Pro 12 final. Plus an addition rambling about Interstellar and Jack Johnson's In Between Dreams. Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. We are almost two months into lockdown, Trimby, um, and the sun is, well, it's not quite a lawn to spare. It's not up in the sky, but it is looking like an unbelievable day. I went for a walk this morning. It is literally the bluest sky I've ever seen out there mm. today. So, and the weekend was spectacular. A bit of a break in the day yesterday, but generally we are getting some deal some hand dealt here uh, because if it was lashing rain and, and there was oh. nothing to do and we were stuck inside. But look, it, I was like Spain here this morning on Saturday. I was oiling myself at the back, playing with making Jay-Z chains, just having the crack. Are you the same? Uh, something similar, yeah. I think um, the weather's going to turn though. The weather and the atmosphere and the buzz and everything's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Uh, um, because, as you say, we're completely reliant on on the weather. If if you've got yourself a wee bit of space, um, if you can work from home, if you can kind of manage some sort of level of normality, but then get all the good bits about just being isolated, no FOMO, no no one calling at the door, not having to be anywhere. Life is great. But as soon as the weather turns, then you're cooped up inside, and the kids are fed up watching. Dave Grohl on um uh, on YouTube Kids. <laughs> I, I saw that this morning. <laughs> can't believe it. I was like, that is that is brilliant. What a great addition. Dave Grohl brought his daughter on, Sophie, her name is. She came on and they did a wee um he's playing the drums and all on uh, Ryan's toys. <laughs> yeah. That's unreal. Yeah, and Ryan, so Jack loves uh Ryan's toys. Um and he, he at the start he was like, I don't know how long this kid's been. Um you probably if if you've been to Smith's at all, there's like Ryan's eggs and like all these branded Ryan's toys, um toys. And um this kid's been around for I, I assume he's been around like maybe ten years or something, but you can tell what stage of um his life and his career he's at <laughs> by 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 the house and the furniture, because as they've got more and more successful. All of a sudden, Ryan is hosting this. Um, it's like it's like a studio produced um, with a crowd and all. Dave Grohl's there. You're like, yeah. And then Ryan's introducing it and saying, "Thanks very much, Dave. Great to have you." That's all for Ryan's toys. <laughs> like, this kid in ten years, he's developed now. He thinks he's like I know he's a he's a talk show host or something. He's just um, his couch. His couch is just growing around and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like he's taking up the whole sitting room. Which makes it um, difficult to track how old he is because he looks the same age. Because as he grows, the couch grows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like uh, Justin Bieber when you see original videos of him, and he was like in a in probably living in a one bed apartment with his with his mother, um, and a dirty little couch. And you could see as he was getting better and better and bigger and bigger, he was exploding. But I, yeah. these YouTubers blow my mind, man. They're like making twenty twenty five million a year. I know this guy's yeah, cracked it. Mom and dad are minted. Uh, did you see? Um, speaking about um, like um, like like singers with um, like kind of their background. Did you see Dermot Kennedy put up that video of him busking? In I did. Yeah. Yes. 
so cool. cool isn't it yeah very good big grainy footage was like something from the 80s we went um, busking one time um uh whenever i was uh, 15 just me to mind um <laughs> they all kind of like i was i I played the drums so like we had no like i was just sitting there <laughs> sitting there hitting one of those box things uh no not even like uh i had nothing i just sat there i was just there for the crack uh, technically, I, I probably should have been security, and this is why because <laughs> <laughs> we got robbed by spies. <laughs> These fellas came over and they were like, "Yeah, well, what's going on there?" Um, making some quick small talk, and then they just snatched a load of coins from oh, the boy. guitar case and legged it. You were too crusty to chase them. I was too. I just, uh, it just, I wasn't streetwise enough. Wasn't streetwise. <laughs> just didn't, see, I did not see it coming. I, thought, I was like, they, these guys are like pretty trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna give us a few quid. They're gonna no, they're not. They're taking all our money. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. I've never busked. That's one thing I've never done. Really, Barry. Um, I always had the dream to do what Jer- Dermot Kennedy did. It was mm. always like the dream to like start from there. And yeah, you're a silver spoon musician, aren't you? Go for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went the I, I'm going the opposite way. I started quite quite high, and I'll probably end up there. <laughs> yeah, like you eventually. Remember me? Remember me? On, an Instagram of you at like um, the O2 or something. This is how it started. <laughs> Look where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> hard work and dedication will get you here, folks. Yeah, <laughs> busking on the uh, street. Um, come here. How's the cat? Any cat updates for me? The cat. Um, I saw your I saw your Twitter, and it suggests something happened. Oh yes, something. Sorry, yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, the cat's been getting a lot of traction. Actually, there's been a lot of interest in the cat. Um, hmm. The cat, like it's just some cat. Ginger, her name is. Ginger, his name. Sorry, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I looked out the window the other day, and um, <clears throat> last week I updated you that we'd seen a slightly different side to Ginger, a slightly more impatient side just grabbing uh, Molly. Uh, we saw another side altogether. We saw a really sinister side to, um, you'll probably be fine with this. I remember you at the start when you were selling cats to me, you're like, cats are way better. If you die a cat, like a, a cat will eat its owner and a dog will not eat its owner. Uh, that is not, that's not a massive selling point. for. Mm. <laughs> it's for just because that's always the argument people use that the cat will eat you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll eat you because it's smart. Yeah, smart. But I dogs. but I love dogs as well, so I, I I'm not not anti dog. I'm just trying to uh, give give a good perspective on how cats are view, are kind of they're good animals, man. Yeah, fine. if you're happy with if if you're happy very with interesting, cats, very if interesting. You're, if you're happy with cats eating owners, then you'll have no problem with this story. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so I looked out the window and um, <laughs> the cat was kind of rummaging around the the garden like, like, frantically, and then and then stopping, and then frantically running again. I said, what's going on there? So I went out for, for a closer look and he was just, he or she, Ginger was just playing with this mouse. Um, the mouse was fine. Like I assume whenever I've heard stories about cats, like just playing with playing with their food, basically, I assumed that um, it was half dead and this <laughs> this uh, mouse was like, like doing like a commando crawl. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this mouse was fully fine. And uh, the mouse looked, looked calm, sitting beside the cat. And then just took off. He thought, "I'll try and catch the catch the cat, like the like the bus, like the busker robber, <laughs> like same sort yeah. of thing." Yeah, just took off, and then the cat is all like nonchalant, and then just it's so quick you can just catch him really quickly. But then I went outside. So obviously, um, I am assuming that the the cat just plays with the mice for a wee while, and then eventually just kills him. I need some. Uh, 
Yeah, I'd imagine so. So that's what I was that's, <laughs> they, they definitely play with their food. Like they definitely, yeah, that's the thing they do. And they yes. give you, they bring them as gifts and stuff like that, right? That's right. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So that's what I was expecting. But um, <laughs> Ginger took her eye off the ball for a second, right? <laughs> and the mouse made a run for it into the bushes and uh, Ginger didn't get her in time. <laughs> and uh, Ginger was like, she didn't know that I had um, I had seen this. So then I, I I went away. I was like, I don't want Ginger to be embarrassed. <laughs> but then um, ten minutes later, I went out to cut the grass, and as I was cutting the grass, um, um, this sounds so far fetched. The mouse like ran in front of the lawnmower, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't kill the mouse. Like the mouse ran in front of the lawnmower, and then looked round, and I swear it was like it was like Tom and Jerry. <laughs> and he, he looked and saw Ginger, and Ginger was like like still panicking, looking around everywhere. And then the bush was like just over to the side. And I was like, Ginger, Ginger, Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and the mouse just scarpered into the bush. And and Ginger, like that was it. And it was over. I'm I'm imagining imagining Anna running out. Do you remember in Tom and Jerry where the the housekeeper would always run out with the the rolling pins? Thomas, (laughs) that motherfucking cat. You're not doing your motherfucking job. Get that mouse. (laughs) <laughs> that didn't happen or is with that a, you with a rolling pin did you say the rolling pin yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so um, oh, that's per, per brilliant ginger. that's so exciting man it was it was it was brilliant especially well, like in lockdown that, that's exciting the best of times Thomas and and what was the cat what was the most name Tom Jerry. and Jerry <laughs> uh, Thomas, Thomas and Jerry Thomas and Jerry and Jared <laughs> Gerald uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas looked happy enough. It's like Roadrunner and Coyote. Like, where would they be without each other? So, like, this could yeah. be a thing now. I think the mouse be, could, could become a huge part of your lives. Um, Maybe, hopefully, hopefully. I I was in the field last night and um, walking along, right, walking kind of about twenty meters away from the bush, and it was kind of about half nine, twenty to ten, so it was still a bit bright out, mm-hmm. so I could see quite a, so quite a lot. And uh, I was thinking to myself that there's no, like we're lucky enough in Ireland that we can go for walks and there's no fucking mountain lions or cats or anything that will come out and have a go off you or attack you um, or anything dangerous. Next thing, no, within 20 seconds of me saying this, a Might fox. Lie. <laughs> 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 a mountain, wow, a mountain lion. So it's eating my face. Uh, a fox jumps out of the bush and have you ever heard a fox barking? No, stop. Shouted. It shouts. It doesn't bark, right? Some fox. Barry! Barry! (laughs) It was was kind of like that. It was like, bah! Bah! It was like like it was a sheep sheep bang, but like a sheep with rabies or something. Just like, bah! Bah! And uh, I was like, had about a few seconds where I was like, Jesus. But then my instincts were like, I started flinching at it, kind of like, come on. To kind of try oh, to fight or flight, you were fighting mm. toe straight away, and then he uh he just stood there and just bah! and it was like it was weird. So he st- and then he just turned around and he ran straight back into the bushes. So I kept walking, I was like, Well, that was insane. Do you know, you just keep walking, like, Yep, that was normal, and then I just got on, <laughs> yeah. got on a little bit and I was like, That was the most mental thing that's ever happened, and uh, then it came back out like and just started shouting at me again, and it literally was like it was shouting at me. Um, and then it, but it was kind of getting a bit hard now. It was like, yeah, yeah, no, 
<laughs> you know who's boss. Oh, he, yeah, he'd built up some courage. Because he saw me walking away. And he, <clears throat> then he started wandering around the field. But then, like, I started thinking a bit. I started thinking about it. And, like, you know, we're, we're reviewing Interstellar on this show later on. And uh, we'll get into it later on. But one of the main things in it is that, like, <clears throat> um, he's trying to decipher. They're trying to decipher who the ghost is that's trying to send the messages throughout their Murph's life and throughout Matthew McConaughey Coop's life. And uh, Annabelle has been making this noise for the weekend where she's like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so I was like, is someone trying to tell me something? Annabelle stole the, the equation fo- and now she's in a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got up to the fox. Annabelle. <laughs> Me, dad. Fox. Anyway, oh, great stuff. Great stuff. I've heard of I've heard of fox having sex before, which out like in a field behind my house, which sounds like a crying baby. And I thought there was a crying baby out the back of my gaff. And it was like, there's a fucking baby outside. And I was living on my own at the time. And I was looking out the window and like, what do I do? Went downstairs. And it literally sounds like a screaming baby, but it's a, it's a fox having sex. So it, the fox is having sex with another fox, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I, we can't go any further with this because Pat will only edit it. I think, so I think we've already... We'll have, to draw, we'll have to draw a line under this. Yeah, I think um, we've already... And just, just while we're on that, because I was going to talk about this later on, but like this is a little teaser. Um, one of my favorite parts of Interstellar is when he calls her... He, that he calls his daughter Murph because my name is Murph obviously and a lot of my schoolmates especially would call me Murph they don't call me Baz and uh, so I'm like what a great name for a, for a kid Murph and uh, I love at the end when he's shouting through the library Murph Murph and it's just a powerful part but it reminded me when I was watching it yesterday that um, a few years ago me and Orla were in bed about and I woke up about 3 o'clock in the, 3 o'clock in the morning and I could hear someone calling my name and they were like Murph and I went, hello? And <laughs> and Orla went, who are you talking to? And I was there, to someone calling my name. And they went, Barf. and I went, yeah. And she went, that's a f- that's the dog next door barking. <laughs> it's like, rough, rough, rough. But it sounded exactly like someone saying Murph. Did you think you were having a bad dream? No, I was just curious, but I love the way I was I was quietly saying, yeah. Yes. Like as if, as if the person was in my room and it was totally okay that they were there. I was like, sounds like a friendly person. No one's going to break into, break into my house and going to go, Murph, Murph, I'm breaking into your house. You don't mind if I just take a couple of things from downstairs, do you? <laughs> It'd be a good idea if you were a, a, a crook thinking outside the box. Just yeah, learn, their second, learn their second name. Just tri- Trims, Trimby. Just gonna take a couple of the kids. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, grand. And I was like, no, that's a dog. Trimmy, Trimmy. <laughs> Jack got up one night there. Speaking of um, weird dreams, Jack got up or one morning. He he made it all the way through, and then he said, "I had a scary dream last night." And he says, "Um, um, there was a man, and he was um on a wall, and he fell off." and broke himself and all the king's horses and the king's men couldn't put him back together again wow <laughs> it's like jack that's something don't do 
<laughs> oh, plagiarism, Jack. Yeah. Jesus. That and and but the weird part of that is that Humpty Dumpty is giving him bad dreams. Yeah. <laughs> toughen up, toughen up, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Ma- Molly, Molly, Molly's not gonna be having dreams about it or nightmares about Humpty Dumpty, is he? No, is Ma- Jack gets scared really easily. Really easily. Even even before, you know, like in, in, a, in a movie or like a cartoon, so um Toy Story was a tricky one. You know, it goes to your man Sid, the next door neighbor. But like even the tone or the mu- if the music changes at all or if it goes dark at all, then he just he just curls up in a ball and looks at the sofa. He can't handle it at all. Hey, oh, that's nice. I like that. I was a bit soft as a child, to be fair. Mm. Um, okay, just a couple of things before we we move on. Um, what did I talk about? Oh yeah, I did that rugby run at the weekend. A big oh, shout yeah. out to everyone that did that. Um, it was brilliant. Uh, although I tore my calf after four four kilometers, you tore um, it in the training though as well, hadn't you? A tour is a tour is a is a, a stretch. I strained it. It felt. Listen, sore. we're in showbiz. We're in showbiz. We have to <laughs> we have to dramatize things. Okay, my calf fell off, right? Um, and after four k, and I had to stop and I walked a bit, but then I kind of limped home. But I was happy enough, man. I got like thirty odd minute, thirty minutes and something seconds, which yeah. isn't bad. Uh, flat who. Tore his, pulled his hamstring and genuinely did. Ran it in 26 minutes with a fucking torn hamstring. He's a freak of nature, I swear to God. What stage did he tear his hamstring? <laughs> After four kilometers as well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Sheridan ran a good 28. Mossy, myself, Mossy Lawler and Ron Lamani were in around the 32. Marcus Horn pulls it out of the bag, ran 29 minutes flat, I think. Um, you know, he's, he's, he was their surprise weapon. Mike mm. Sherry, Mike Sherry forgot to press uh, start on his watch, um, so he was null and void. There's <laughs> always one, but yeah, very good, uh, enjoyable day. We had a beer afterwards, and I don't know if you saw Ron Lamani delivered another uh, can of Guinness via drone into my back garden. Yes, yeah, brilliant. He's getting very good at that. He this time he he manufactured it off a string, so the delivery he's improved his. His uh his delivery because the last one was just sellotaped on and it was a bit awkward. Whereas now I just had to snip it off with a string. Very good, very good. When you snip it off, then does the thing fly? fly it did. Off, it took the balance. It, yeah, it took off like, and I was like, "Oh, going fairly well. Goodbye." Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a thing of beauty. He gave me a few cigarettes as well, which I don't smoke, but it was very considerate of him. Still nice, yeah. That's the nice way. To, that's a nice way to celebrate with a helicopter. Orla, Orla used to smoke years ago, so she had one during our. Or um, we had a, we hosted our first table quiz that night actually, mm-hmm. um, and she had one during that. Um, it was very enjoyable. I liked I liked being in that kind of that that seat, the hot seat, asking oh, yeah. questions. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> had um, we did a, I did a quiz there last week, and I got the movie round was my worst round of all. I thought it was going to be strong. It was uh, movie quotes. Very, very difficult. I can't remember the, any of them. I'll have a look at a few of them. I'll test you next week on a few of the movie clips. Dude. Very, very difficult. Mm, I got, I got, uh, I got criticized. Some of my questions were too hard. Um, I like this I, one. I have, an issue. I have an issue with um, quiz masters who, who their whole objective is to show off a little bit. And in, in effect, I'm kind of, I do, you. I'm I do, you. I agree. Okay. I no, I agree. I'm not on that. I'm not on that level. Um, I liked to just, you got to put at least, I was, I was, I was making it like quite balanced, given a few general ones that people would get. And then I was given a few tricky ones. 
um, and then I'd give one or two hard ones per round. And people were getting them, like one or two of them would get them each round. So, And then the other people were learning something that they wouldn't get. There you go. O'Connell was loving it. This is a great, that's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I, mean, like, I, don't know, I don't know the answer, but that's a great question. Yeah. Well, I, I did a Disney round and I asked him, uh, one of the questions was, um, who is the sea witch in The Little Mermaid? Um, and uh, I was just about to bring her up. She's the one that scared Jack. Um, ah. um, can't remember. That's mad. O'Connell, this the stretch of his Michael Jordan-esque competitiveness. Uh, I could just see him leaving the couch from his sitting room and uh, he went upstairs and woke his six-year-old daughter. This is 11 o'clock at night. And <laughs> <laughs> to forget, Lola, wake up. What's, what's, the, what's the sea witch's name in, in there? Ursula. <laughs> Ursula. What's the sea witch's name in Little Mermaid? Can you remember the big scary one with the tentacles? <laughs> Imagine her like, apparently she got pure ratty with him and telling him to. She's like, Ursula, he's like, go back to bed. <laughs> she reminds, I, I had a friend who, uh, who well, an acquaintance I played soccer with back in the day and his mother was very like Ursula the Sea Witch. Um, she kind of had the same haircut and she was pure, like sassy, sexy, big <laughs> one and uh, big boobs and she was like, <laughs> so, Barry Love, I was smoking fags and... Uh, <laughs> Immediately, I was like, I was about 12. I was like, she's like Ursula. I think her, I think her name might have been Ursula. Her, her car, she used to bring me, give me lifts home from soccer. Her car used to always smell like a bit, must, bit musty and everything was furry dice. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one question from the quiz that I, I was wondering you might know um, what year did Ireland play their first away match in New Zealand? Um. Uh, 86 76 mm. good answer though a lot of people would have thought it was years ago but it wasn't um, it was it was um, wasn't years ago it was years ago <laughs> it but, was but, but it wasn't earlier. it wasn't a hundred years ago um, but my dad was on the on the flight over he well he went on the second flight he uh, he was like an inaugural flight from Ireland to to get to New Zealand essentially not direct but he went as a on a touring party with UL Bohemians who were Bohemians at the time and he, we had started chatting about I know what we were talking about the other day on the phone and he brought this up and I was like go on and they were on the first flight and he said it was carnage it was like a nightclub going over across the Atlantic Ocean like everyone just smoking and drinking and wandering around the plane and chatting up girls and all that crack and uh, yeah it sounded like amazing crack um, <clears throat> I'd imagine that's what it would be like for us going to South Africa next year. That's what I had in my head. Yeah, I'll see you then. And we could get the boat. Even more crack. Um, okay, do I do a quick do's and don'ts? We'll oh, yes. On. Yes, please. I'm just going to keep it to two this week. Um, and, I, and I want your, you to chirp in for my do because I know you're, you're, you're up to your neck in it as well. My don't is don't get sucked into conspiracy theories because... Uh, I really upset myself this week. I went too far, too, too far. But 5G? Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday evening, I was 5G, tinfoil hat, um, <laughs> alien, interdimensional beings. I, 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 I tried to buy Mein Kampf off uh, Amazon the other night because I was, I, I, I was gone down a rabbit hole that Hitler was being influenced by interdimensional beings like Matthew McConaughey. Um, in his and I just wanted to see if there's any evidence. It's not like I'm 
I was interested about Mein Kampf. I just wanted to, but Amazon won't sell it anymore. But that was a breaking point. And then Charlie Manson was just on my mind all the time. So when Charlie Manson and Hitler are on your mind, it's like, abort. <laughs> oh, just don't, don't get, and this day and age, don't get too bogged down in it, man. It's, it's a bit <clears> mental. <throat> um, give yourself a break anyway. But then do get into it a little bit because it's interesting. But my do, which was my saving grace, because this brought me out of the mentalness, and it was like, give me something digestible, was normal people, the TV show on RT and BBC, and I know you've been up to your neck in it. So what's your thoughts? You love I'm a couple you... of episodes. I'm a couple of episodes into it, so I'm a little bit behind, but that, me too. Just before, just in case you're worried, uh-huh, I'm right. gonna I've decided to space this one out and leave it run uh because Full I want school. them in my I want them in my life because I love these characters so much that like when we watched Unorthodox, mm-hmm. I watched in one day and I was like, I missed your one so much. I wanted her to be in my life more. So I want these characters to be in my life for the next few weeks. Yes, anyway, but they're in your life for longer, but you're nowhere near as, as close or you haven't got that intensity or that kind of, it's not as memorable. I don't think, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not home. saying one's necessarily better than the other, but you're going old school. You're going like the way it used to be. You you have to sit down to watch The Sopranos on a Tuesday night on Channel 4 or whatever it was. <clears throat> but then that wasn't, that's why The Sopranos maybe is so etched into people's memory as one of the, the best of all time and then Game of Thrones for the same reason Sopranos was a bad example for me to <laughs> <laughs> my case <laughs> but I like I, I no, I like the idea I think we all miss that we miss that kind of routine of um, what else there's something else it's sure um, the, the Michael Jordan documentary is coming out every week as well isn't it mm, yeah I think we'll save that for Finn, Finn Russell I think we want, I want to see if he's been watching that yeah. we have Finn Russell <laughs> Finn Russell coming on, sorry, in a couple of minutes. Enough about Ginger and Michelle Obama. We've got Finn Russell coming on. A normal people, people, everyone should watch it though, right? It's yeah, uh, it's brilliant. It's really intense. It's 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 brilliantly done. It's really kind of awkward and um like those kind of relationships and how kind of clumsy they are and like how, you know all the tension in school relationships. I went to an all boys school to be fair, so I didn't really. Have me, that. me too. I I'm so this is eye opening for me. I've no. Uh, you know, ex- example of that in my life. The only issue I would I would have with it, I suppose, is it's a little, it's unrealistically a little bit too intense. It's a little bit like Dawson's Dawson's Creek or something. You know, everybody's mm. kind of really articulate and really kind of really really well read, and they're like sixteen or something. So, mm. well, the two of them are they're exceptional. That's why they're such good characters. Yeah. Um, and I looked them up. Like he he I just assumed he's such a good actor. I assumed that he both class. he's a yeah, they're both class. Like she's English, first of all. Her Irish accent is phenomenal. She's from London, um, and uh, just she, like we were talking about this a few weeks ago with, uh, or on Instagram actually, we were talking about it. Where you know you had those Freddie Prince Junior movies where they would make the girl kind of a nerd, and then they'd let her hair down, and she'd be unreal. Um, whereas this like girl Marianne in this TV show, she's she does play the kind of weird kind of dark really well but then he calls up at her house and she's got the hair down she's got it done up and she looks unbelievable yeah um she looks like then, the jew in jojo rabbit actually i was telling you i was watching that last week oh yeah what a sh- what a film by the way Classic, jesus yeah. that's one of my favorites um but your man conan whatever is paul mescal his name from kildare he's uh you, you just kind of assume he's a ga player from sligo mm. who's kind of talks like that but he's he's a well-trained theater actor so I think he was a GA player as well, but he's um, he's very impressive. 
yeah it's brilliant it is brilliant it's 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 mm. gripping it's class it's sexy pure sexy so <laughs> Um, alrighty. Well, we, uh, we've, we've, we've got a little bit of rugby to get to, I suppose. Let's, we'll get Finn Russell on the phone, which can't wait to chat to him. And uh, we've also got our, uh, film to review, which is interstellar. We've gone with, uh, Jack Johnson's in between dreams as our album to review. Um, I'll get to a reason for that in a while. And we're also going to talk about Ulster versus Leinster in the RDS on two th- in 2013, the pro 12 final. Um, which is our game of the week. And I know that's going to be smarting with you. Um, there is some rugby on the, uh, which is going to be starting up soon enough. Some real rugby. Um, the New Zealand uh, Interprovincial Championship is going to start on June 10th, I believe. Um, so it's kind of in line with Super 14 Rugby um, and or Super Rugby. Uh, they're going to play each other twice over the home and away over the course of the couple of months behind closed doors, I assume, which is great. And I also got an update from a friend of mine from Limerick, who is the, and a friend and a new friend of yours, um, the thing on the wing, uh, AKA Morris Hartree, who's Northampton's manager. Uh, he said that they're back training in the next week or so and hoping to do something similar in the, in, uh, English rugby in the next few weeks, get started in June. That's great. Oh, it's brilliant. It'd be nice to get some sort of normality. So um, there was uh, obviously the Irish announcement a couple, like last week, week before, and Boris Johnson made an announcement last week. It was vague enough. There was nowhere near, no, there were no dates really. And then um, uh, Northern Ireland then will um, follow suit, six something, probably somewhere in between the two. Um, but there's still there's still no. It'd be nice to get dates. We're definitely gonna see rugby here. I know there's chat about Pro 14 in, in September as well. Uh, but something has to give European rugby, and then um, catching up in Six Nations, and then running into November. Something mm. has to give. But um, it'd be nice to have some sort of. Here's our return to getting back, watching some rugby, and having something to talk about. Although I'll miss the movie movie reviews and album reviews, to be honest. Oh, we're keeping them in, man. We're we're keeping them in because I'm watching these films and listening to these albums with a completely different perspective now that I have to actually give a proper formed uh, opinion on them, not just go class, class. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I've been pers- I've been purposely not looking up. I did for the first week or two. I was looking up other reviews of it and doing a bit of homework. And uh, I've decided for the last few weeks that I'm not going to look up anyone else, don't want anyone else's perspective on this. This is my perspective from watching it and taking it in and just saying what I think of the film. I'd say you'd be the same, yeah? Yeah, I haven't. I know because one or two <clears throat> movies we've looked at that um, that have been reviewed in uh, rewatchables and I was tempted a couple of times to have a look, but not necessarily to find out whether they, they it got critical acclaim or if it was you know liked by people who know better than us. Um, but just to find out, you know, what the actors were doing at the time, what the director was doing at the time, what kind of, what the atmosphere, or not the atmosphere, what the kind of, what was popular at the time, um, and kind of get an understanding of 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 watching it, it back in the day. <laughs> Speaking of us not being uh, experts, but pretending like we are, when we had Sam Brown, one of our um, one of our favorite penguins, on, um, we were chatting away. What movie was it we were reviewing? Leon. Leon. Leon mm. and we were chatting away like we were movie experts, movie critics. And then at the end, he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm a documentary filmmaker." We're like, "Yeah, oh, off, no. off, off air." When we were when we had when we had finished recording and we were chatting, 
he's made some class documentaries and yeah. obviously a hell of a lot more experience. He was on to me this morning actually about watching Friday Night Lights, um, which is a very obvious TV show, but a very good one. All right. Anyway, will we wrap up and get Finn Russell on the phone all the way from Paris and see how he's getting on? Um, but before that, here's Hannah Tyrrell on Pieta House's Sunrise Appeal and the importance of mental health services in the crisis. Hi, my name is Hannah Tyrrell. I play for the Irish Women's Rugby Team and I'm a Pieta House ambassador. Pieta House have reported that they have had a 50% increase in calls from people during this period. Um, I suppose it's a very stressful time for everybody. People are losing their jobs and they maybe don't have as much income. When you're being stuck inside in a lockdown like this, um, you know, have a big impact on your mental health, not being able to get outside and get some fresh air and stick to a normal routine. Um, so I think Pieta House's services are required, you know, more now than ever and um, unfortunately they're being affected as well so anything we can do at the minute to help them you know would be fantastic. So uh, Pieta has run Darkness Into Light annually and they have for the last I think 12 or 13 years um, but unfortunately due to COVID-19 um, they're unable to you know have the the walk this year so um, it's a really big deal for them because about 80% of their annual funds come from um, this event. And, you know, by not having the event um, or postponing the event, that's really going to affect them. And it's, you know, they provide a free service for people. And if they're not able to provide that, you know, it's going to have a big impact on them. Well, the whole idea behind um, the Darkness Into Light event is um, a symbol of hope. And, you know, there's that saying of like that there's light at the end of the tunnel for people. And it's very cliche, but like with Darkness Into Light, you start walking or running um, in pitch black um, with thousands of people around you that you have no idea what their life is like. And you all take this journey together. And by the end of the 5K walk or run, sunrise is um happening and it's just a beautiful way of showing that you may start your mental health journey in the dark and um, but when you finish there is that light and it's just a symbol of the journey that you may take with your own mental health and and how things can get better and it's just a symbol of hope and positivity for me this year i've been playing a lot of uh, rugby sevens and all our Upcoming tournaments had been um, cancelled or postponed and same with the Six Nations and our summer tours have all been cancelled. Um, however, we're still training as normal, just at home on our own. So basically all our training has been cancelled, but we've been given gym schedules and running schedules and we um, all follow that ourselves every day. Um, and then we report back via a GPS and a WhatsApp and that we have completed it and once a week the team gets together and we do a little zoom cardio session kind of just to keep in touch with everybody and see people's faces because we weren't made to be individual athletes so it can be tough during these times look i'd hope to be back as soon as possible and um, you know unfortunately we've never been through a pandemic like this before so we don't really know what to expect and um, You'd be hopeful that at some point during the summer we can start at least training in small groups again. And unfortunately, rugby being a contact sport, it's going to be one of the last sports that's allowed to go ahead. But um, yeah, look, even if we got back training during the summer, um, it'd be great to see people get back with the team. And um, hopefully we're playing rugby sooner rather than later because I miss it. <laughs> You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. 
Welcome to the show, Finn Russell. How are we doing, man? I'm good, thanks. Uh, you all good over here in Paris? Yeah, tell us about lockdown in Paris. Um, are you on your own? Who are you with? Uh, what are you up to? Is it going all right? Yeah, it's fine. I suppose it's much the same everywhere else, isn't it? So, um, no, the weather here is not too good just now, but it has been really nice. So it's been fine out in the back garden, doing a little bit of training. I'm trying to keep going, stay motivated. Um, which hasn't been the easiest. Um, but no, it's been fine. I suppose because everyone's in the same same situation, there's uh, there's nothing you're missing out on, really. So it's, it's, mm. it's fine. Uh, with regards to social distancing, socialising, I know Zeebs lives down the road from you. He told us when he was on <clears throat> a few weeks ago. Uh, can you go down and stick your head over the fence and have a chat? Or are you sitting in the park and, and meeting up or anything like that? I've not seen him since uh, we've been in lockdown. We're talking about maybe, well, not catching up, but maybe sort of, yeah, trying to link up in the next few weeks, maybe when it starts getting a bit more relaxed over here mm-hmm. and it starts getting back to normal, but we'll have to wait and see and just kind of follow the guidelines. So, no, nah, I've not seen them since uh, since quarantine. I've, oh, I've so you've been on the boys in the supermarket, but that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. You've been on your own since, yeah, since yeah. mid-March. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, you're a bit earlier. Yeah. So early, early March, you've been on your own. Yeah. So a while now, but um, I'm getting plenty of PlayStation played, so I'm chatting to the boys on there, so it's all right. Mm. Uh, must be a bit mental though, man. Is it? Are you going? To, are you going a bit stir crazy, or are you? Are you all right? Um, well, I suppose for me, I'm not finding it too bad. I, I live myself over here anyway. Um, so yeah. although I'd see the boys at training a lot, and then I'd go out for dinners at night or I'd go to cafes and things, that's the difference. But in terms of being on my own a lot, it's not too bad for me because I live here myself. So. I'm semi-used to it. I think it's different for boys who who might live with a partner who isn't with them just now or, or things like that. But for me, it's been it's not been too bad. Hmm. Um, we've been poorly trying to pass the time by dissecting TV shows and films here. Um, <laughs> have you been watching The Last Dance? Yeah, I have been watching that. Uh, Zeeb told me to get into that. So um, to be honest, I didn't even know it was coming out. And then... I think Zeeb's posted it on his Instagram and I asked him what it was and then started watching that. So I'll catch up with the last or the next two episodes tonight. Should be should be good fun. Mm, I'm 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 after last week it was like they were looking at the dream team uh that the US Olympic team had in what was that, ninety six. Yeah. Um I imagine Rassing as kind of the dream team, essentially that <laughs> That little bit of a vibe going on, um, you know, like the the level of players that you have, uh, the boasting talent, just bullying yeah. some poor Croatian fella. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had Zeebs on, and he was claiming to be. Was he claiming to be Jordan? Or was he? Oh, uh, I can you remember? Yeah. Um, what would you I say? I think he plays to be all the basketballers put together. You know, he's That's true. <laughs> He's a mega basketball fan. Yeah, um, but come here. Is that does that <clears throat> ring a bell with you? That kind of the competitive streak that you see in uh, in um, in that Bulls team. Do you, like when I think of your team? There's an unbelievable level of talent. But uh, what what's it like individually working with players like that? Are they does someone be the Michael Jordan and is a and tyrant around the dressing room is is there someone driving standards or how does that work um yeah there's 
I suppose it's a different rugby, there's more numbers, but um, for me last year, it was obviously my first season. So I was trying to get used to the players, get to know them, but also with the language, it was quite hard. Um, so there might have been players who were doing that in the change rooms, but I probably wouldn't have, have known that much. Um, but this year, it's uh, yeah, the season just well, that we're in. Um, I had more of a, an input into the team and uh, I was in the leaders group this year, so I've had uh, kind of, I've been involved in more of the meetings, although it's still difficult with the language, but um, I've kind of had a, more, a better feel for it and I think working with the players here, it's quite funny because they're all like, such good players, but they're all so different, um, which is it's quite, I don't know, quite cool to see like some guys all train really hard and some guys might not, kind of like Zeebs, so. Um, he, he threw the same accusation to you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose it's just it's kind of like if you watch last night, I suppose the way that they all get treated differently by the coaches, and as long as they kind of turn up and do what they need to do in training, and then on the field at the weekend, they can they, they can prepare as as they need to to get ready, which I think's what we've got over here, which is really good. Um, you're putting some of the best guys in the world, but everyone needs to, to prepare for games and training differently um, and you've got a kind of a, a leeway a bit of um, flexibility with how we train um, and, and get ready for games which is good mm. um, Barry mentioned the uh, <clears throat> description of, of Michael Jordan was the, the tyrant in the changing room uh, whenever he said that I couldn't help thinking that that's you at half time uh, at Twickenham <laughs> <laughs> that was your Michael Jordan moment <laughs> Um, history that. But it sounds like in the film, so it seems that like Michael Jordan kind of has a go at boys and tells them you need to play better or do this and do that. I was more just, I don't know what I was asking, just with the change we were playing. It wasn't like the players at all. It was, um, yeah, that was a, a, a funny moment. That I don't know how often they've been 31 points down or then had to try and come back for it. <laughs> but, um, mm. Nah, yeah, the half time that was. I thought I just felt something wasn't working in the game. It wasn't. But yeah, we had, to, I feel we had to change the game plan a little bit. Um, whether that was a spark or just us coming out after half time and, you know, literally having nothing to lose because we were 24 points down or, or whatever. So it's. There's a few things there. Whether it was, uh, yeah, you seen a few things at half time or, or just the boys having a bit more freedom. Mm. Is that something that, <laughs> that um, comes more naturally to to you in your environment at um, at Racing? Because obviously, like having a bit more freedom and, and throwing the ball about—that's when you're at your best, and that's when everybody, to be fair, the whole um, Racing team are at their best. Was that something that really appealed to you? Yeah, I think I've been for a few years before, a couple of years before I came over to France. I, I wanted to come over just to experience it and try it out. Um, and being here, I've loved it. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of teams now they play in the same or similar structure with the one three three one, and I I found I think I first started using that with Vern, and that gives you just the the, the um, ability to play direct or play out the back and play wide and under different coaches you get more freedom to do that. Um, and here at Raston, it's well with Mike being the coach now, it's it's great. I can work closer with him as we both speak English, obviously. Um, and it then it gives me more of an input into the attack, and also then I know Mike's 
I'm going to let me have the uh, kind of do what I need to do in the, in the pitch and play how I want to play. And I think that works for the whole team. I think the way the boys like to play over here and with the players we've got, it's, it's working well for us. Um, you know, the quicker we can get the ball to the to the boys outside, sometimes you know, like the Virame, Teddy, uh, Juan, Zebes, and, and Bob Brees last year. But um, the quicker we can get the ball to them, the better, I suppose. Do you think uh, when you say like <clears throat> the freedom and people wanting, you know, allowing players to be themselves um, and express themselves, do you think that can work for every team? Like I've, I've often heard, I'd be, I'd be, that's the way I think, but I, I've often heard like players or coaches saying like, oh, this is, you know, we're working with the players we have, or this is the way, the ethos mm-hmm. of a team. Like I remember watching like Wimbledon, this, the, the football team from the premiership, um, it was always like they are the tough guys that can't really play football. They just kick the shit out of people, and it's like, well, hang on a second. Why? Why can't everyone fucking play flashy football, or, or at least, or at least <laughs> try to? That's been monster for years. How <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can we fucking throw it around, especially with Zebes? But you think that is that it's possible to you know if you put people in that headspace that they can uh, that any team can can play the way you play. I think any team can can play like that or try and play like that it will depend on the players obviously the skill sets and yeah, I suppose kind of how they see the game how you know, how quickly they're, they're able to react and organise and whatnot. Um, some people will be better at it than, than others but I suppose that's when you get the better teams in leagues compared to the, the teams which are sort of towards the bottom um, but I think the way the modern the way the modern games kind of go and I think we'll see more and more of that that's more and more teams kind of playing, it's not always an expansive game, but playing an open kind of free game. Um, I suppose, it's, you know, in the Super Rugby, they've done that mm-hmm. for years now. Um, and when I spent some time over there, that would be seven years ago now, I think, there was props who were, who knew, who, who just played like that. There was props, mm-hmm. second rows, all, all the forwards and, and backs, everyone was, I suppose, it's, it's, was able to almost adapt and know what the team was trying to achieve. So I suppose, Potentially, the bigger rugby gets and the, the more people keep, keep, uh, start playing it, then it'll become more and more like that kind of open free throw. And it, it might look like off the cuff, but a lot of it's kind of planned and it's reacting to the, to the defence and be able to change and adapt in your structure to attack the best the best areas and, and doing that phase by phase rather than maybe having a, a set four, five, six phase uh, routine that you have to go through because that's what the coach wants and I think maybe as well if players have more of a say in how they want to play and how they think it should work will then help that as well So when you, you went down there 2013 right to Pat, Pat our producer does all our homework for us by the way we don't know this <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah we went down there yeah, yeah. to Canterbury um, I wasn't yeah. aware of that so did you was that a was that a you know a time in your career where you 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 grew a lot as a player with that in mind, like you know, learning that that way to play. Yeah, um, I think that was my second season, not end of my first season at Glasgow, uh, of Glasgow, um, and I was nineteen, I think twenty, um, twenty, and it was it was good for me. I I broke my I fractured my ankle the start of that season at Glasgow, so I didn't play much rugby, and then. They, they wanted me to go down there to get some more rugby and just to get a different experience. So um, I went over there with Sam Hidalgo Klein on a McPhail scholarship. So, um, which was good for me. I, I worked with some good players and different coaches. Um, 
Jason Holland was coaching there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, Jason Holland, yeah. Um, yeah, well, he I played with us here at Munster for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I spoke with him not long ago, actually, just during the Six Nations. Um, so he was, yeah, he was a coach there. I think he, he was my he was my mentor at the time when I was down there. So he kind of helped me out, and I, I got to know him pretty well when I was over there. Um, but we, we were kind of like you're aligned with the traders, but you never train with them. You kind of see them train, but you don't interact with them that much. Um, although yeah. you can see how they go around their work and how they do, you know, day by day and uh, things like that. So the young player, it was quite good to learn from them. Um, that was probably where I first, in terms of analysis and preparing for games, that's the first time I, I did any, anything like that. As a coach at the time, um, he would make me during the week get, like pretty much prepare the, the game plan for the team that was going to play that weekend then present it to the team and, and do all that kind of stuff. So that was the first time I had to do anything like that. And for me, it was pretty different. But it was quite good, I suppose. And it made me, yeah, grow as a player. And I suppose just playing a different team, a different style of rugby was good for me as a, as a young player. Absolutely. And it must have been a good lifestyle down there as well, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, it was good fun. Um, it was, when was it, April till, no, it wasn't April, when did it go? February till April, maybe? Or February till May, I can't remember. Um, so it was nice. It was like quite cold at the start, then it got nicer towards the end, which is good fun. Um, well, mm. nicer at the start and cold at the end, sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but now nah, it was good fun. And the team I played for, Lincoln Uni, it was a good laugh playing with them. A lot of good guys there. So um, a few boys that um, have gone on to play for All Blacks and, and whatnot. So it's, it's quite good fun playing with them. And I think so. Don Bart is over here just now. I played with him at Lincoln, and now he's. We're both playing at the same team at Rasson, which is quite funny. Wow, that's some journey. Jesus. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned Mike Prendergast there, another former Munster player. Obviously, you're, um, you're working with him. Uh, when, and even when you put M- Mike and Jason Holland side by side, um, you know, both Munster legends and Mon- Prendy, like if, if Stringer wasn't in, in Munster, Prendy would have played 200 times for Munster and a rake of times for, for Ireland. Um, just obsessed with the game. I'm sure you're you're you've kind of come across that obsessed with it. But a good lad loves the crack. Um, you know, I'd imagine your style of play and your attitude and your you know your approach to the game as you're kind of explaining to us. That seems like it's right up Prendy's street. Yeah, I we get on really well um, off the pitch, but also like we we work well on it. So <clears throat> you know, he'll he'll come over and have a quick chat for five ten minutes just about things that we're looking at for this weekend and what I think, what have I seen and we kind of work really well like that together. We've spoken each week or every second week since we've been in lockdown just having a chat, having a catch up, um, which is good. So I find I find him you know, a really good guy and he's really easy to talk to. So it's good for me that I can just go up and have a chat. I saw this, I saw that. What do you think? And he's very open-minded, which is really good. Um and and mm. the, the game plan he's got suits the way that I like to play and the, the way the team like to play. Um, no, nah, it's good. I, I, I've, I've really liked working with him this year. Um, it's been good. I think he's got another, another few years left at the club, which is good as well. Um, mm. but does, nah, he ever do um, any, does he ever do any prendyisms? Like he's got a serious amount of a list as long as my arm of of stupid things he's done. Like it's it's phenomenal. Um, I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> He's a, oh, he's a, yeah, he's good at disguising them. 
Um, I think I told a story to you before, Trimby, where he tried to drive his car uh, by memory because his windows were frozen over because of the frost. And he was he was late for training, so he tried to drive. He couldn't. The windows had frozen. He couldn't put them down. And he didn't have time to get the hot water, so he tried to drive by memory and uh, just reverse straight into a neighbor. His car across the road, and uh, a, a, I remember his 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 he went on the holidays to New York with his brother. And uh, they got into to, to the station, the train station in the middle from JFK into the middle of New York. And, you know, like Jamaica is a suburb of Manhattan. And there's a train st- sign that said, like, train to Jamaica leaving in, in 20 minutes. And his, his brother, Garode, was like, look, Mike, you can get a train to Jamaica from here. <laughs> and he goes, that's handy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, he thought it was the Caribbean. Um, I have to get one of yours and find a few stories about him then. Oh, he's a genius. Um, <laughs> what about Donners? Donners only lives down the road for me as well, is that right? Yeah, everyone's within kind of 10, 15 minutes of each other. Um, so we're not too far from the training ground. Um, if you were, a few boys live in Paris, but they've got a, a much longer commute in the morning to get in. So I think mm. most boys um, were, were kind of recommend, recommended to stay quite close to the, the training centre. So yeah, Skin, he's not far from from me. He's, yeah, 10 minutes maybe. Um, so it's good if, if you've got things going on at night or, or anything like that, you can go for coffees easy enough after after training and things. So, no, it's handy seen, um, Finn, how's he seen with the boys? Like if someone had said to you, what what months a player perfectly fits Harris and Racing, you'd, you'd have gone Zeebs, right? Or someone has said, who is the most unusual fit for Paris and Rathing? Skin Ryan. Like, how's he? Uh, but like, to be fair, he said some impact. Um, how's he? How's he seen with the boys? Do they um, like? Is he? How's his French? I heard it actually very good. Yeah, no, he's good. Um, he, no, he's good French. Um, but with the boys, the boys love him. He's, he's a good laugh. Um, he's yeah. I suppose he's he's slightly older than me, um, but he's nah, he's you know on the pitch he does everything he can to win and everything for the boys. So sometimes he gets he gets really caught up in the game, which is fine. It happens, um, mm. but uh, no, nah, I, I, I he's a, a good lad. Um, a good guy for me to the chat as well, and just get to get to know. It's been good fun. Um, he's an he's an interesting I, fella, right, Finn? He's like he's into into a lot of music. He's into uh, you know, kind of, he reads a lot. He's into weird stuff. You kind of picture him as being yeah. maybe a little bit of a a simple old salad, but he's not. He's actually quite. <laughs> <laughs> he's a complex enough. <laughs> he's a complex salad. fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I think he's a lot, but he's always, he's always keen to learn, and he'll he'll chat to me about how or things I would like to have an attack and how I see the game in comparison to how he sees it. Um, just quite interesting to see what he thinks and how you know he's played for Munster and Ireland, how they how they work attack and, and defence and systems to what I've, I've worked with at Glasgow and, and Scotland to Racing. Um, but nah, he's, um, he's a good guy, old skin. I think he, he loves being in Paris as well. He loves going to get food and, and a couple of glasses of wine during the week and stuff like that in Paris. So mm. I think he, he loves it over here. Like you say, he might not be yeah. the guy that you thought would have loved Paris, but he does. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I wasn't surprised myself. Um, how about yourself then? Are you loving the, the Parisian life? Um, I, I'd imagine it's a far cry from, like, I, I always think Glasgow and Limerick, similar enough kind of places, um, you know, uh, and Paris is quite a stretch from the two of them. Yeah, um, I'm from about 45 minutes north of Glasgow, from Stirling. Um, mm. And when I moved from Stirling to Glasgow, it was like moving to a bigger city. It was there's more things to do and, and whatnot. So that was pretty good. And then going to, I lived in Glasgow for four years, then moving from Glasgow to Paris is kind of like doing the same again. So it's, it's I don't know, Paris is, is really cool, but I've only seen, you know, a tiny amount of it as I've... I've not been to explore that much. It's, I find during the week and when I'm training and playing, I don't go in that much. It's it's not too busy. It's just too tiring going all the time to a big city like that. Mm. Um, but when I've got family or friends over, I'll, I'll take them in there. There's as many nice restaurants as you want. There's bars that you can go to. There's so much to do here. So there's always options if you've got a, a day off or a couple of days off. So it's, it's really handy. Um <clears throat> I think as well, the more I can speak French, the more I'll just be able to chat to people and actually find out where's good to go and what, what's good to do. Um, so Mike, Mike's been pretty good with that. He's recommended me in a few places where to go and what to do because he's been here longer than I have. Um, and I can speak better French. So he's uh, he's been recommending a few places. So I hope, hopefully this summer I'll, I'll get into get into Paris more often as we'll have weekends off um, for the next while, obviously, um, and, and yeah. try and try and find out a few a few new spots. Yeah, I know when the Munster fans ever get the the draw in it early on in the season, like we're playing Racing away, it's always like a double-edged sword. Like, yes, we get to go to Paris and have the crack. And then obviously the drawback is that you've got to go to, to play against you guys um, in one of the toughest draws of the season. But uh, the game in Toma Park last year, the return fixture, um, that was an unbelievable game. One of my favourite Munster games in Toma Park in recent history. Um Unfortunately, I went home that night. I didn't go out. I had a few pints during the day, but I I scooted off home. And I think you stayed out and you partied with a few of my mates, uh, a few of my bandmates. Did they behave themselves? Yeah, it was fine. I actually, um, I, I, I was going to go back that night, and Jeeps kind of twisted my arm after the game and said, "Stay over." So um, go age. You change your flights. Yeah, yeah. It was after the game I, in the change rooms. I booked a I booked flights for the next morning back. So. Ah, Limerick um, pulls you in, lures you yeah. in to crack. <laughs> nah, as he was talking up, you know, it's such a good night out. You'll never have a better night out than here. It's, it's better than Paris, etc. So, okay. <laughs> Lim- Limerick is better than Paris. There, you've heard of that. <laughs> nah, um, so I thought I'll stay around and and see what it's like. Yeah. But I don't know if it, I don't know if it'd be the same with me trying to see Bozam after the game against Glasgow or something. If that was the case. Yeah. I don't know it seems yeah. to be staying in Glasgow for, for a couple of drinks yeah I was I was hoping that yeah. you might have you might have fallen in love with some young Limerick girl and uh, then you we could potentially sign you for Munster in the next uh, couple of years yeah that didn't happen unfortunately but um, you never know I might get in the next couple of years in, uh, in Europe who knows mm. Mm. Oh, we'd love to have you anyway um, so Z- tell me about Zeebs then he uh, he was kind of we, we were giving him a few options as a kind of two sidekicks like um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in uh, Goodwill Hunting and I think he gave you Matt Damon didn't he Trimby is that remember. right 
can't remember what what his answer was. It wasn't convincing. As, as the nerdy, less cool one of the two. <laughs> um, so here's your chance for for a rebuttal. Oh, I don't know. Nah, it's a good laugh. So I, I got my zoom so well. Um, on, on a few, we kind of just have a laugh. Like I suppose you saw in that the monster game over there. We're kind of having a laugh as we're playing the game, and I suppose that, that's kind of what it's all about. You can you can enjoy yourself, but still be playing some of the top rugby. Um, but with a smile on your face. So, mm. um, nah, it's been good fun. Me and James, we kind of was we clicked straight away from the start. I think so. Um, I think he's enjoyed it because I've given him I don't know how many walking tries. So. <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty happy with that and that's me just doing that job so it's fine it goes both ways um, yeah oh man I'd love to, to think play of it who we can be compared to though <laughs> yeah uh, well look that that uh, that that kind of approach you have to the game that like you back yourself and your confidence um, to just get yourself in the field is um I think that that's what makes you so enjoyable to watch and uh, like I rarely tweet about things that happen in the rugby pitches or anything like that, but the pass you threw, that infamous pass against England in the, was that Murrayfield, the one in your 22 when you fucked it over the top was one, yeah. literally the best pass I've ever seen. And uh, the nutmeg against Munster, even though it was against Munster, was was uh, pretty outrageous. Um, and that confidence, like, is that, you know, that's the psychological side of the game, I suppose. Is that something that you work on? hard or is is that just something that comes naturally to you um no nah, it's nothing that yeah i think it just comes naturally um i'm quite i like to have a laugh when i broke off the pitch but i'm quite i'm not i don't know like I, said, I don't love myself i don't do that much i'm pretty chilled out um um but i don't know when, I, when i'm when i get onto the pitch whether it's in training or or in a game that i almost feel more comfortable there which is it's quite good whether it's talking in front of people or even on the pitch over here, I'll pretty much just speak French the whole time. Just I feel more confident of it if it's because I know what I'm talking about or or I think I do anyway. Um, or I'm I'm not sure. It's it's, it's almost like my a comfort zone kind of thing. So I quite in. I like being on the pitch. It's good fun. So and that's mm-hmm. never really the it's not the confidence. It's just me expressing myself and be me and having some fun out there. Um, but I've been able to do that. I think you know when when you when you're playing good rugby and you're, you're doing good things whether it's a pass or a kick or, or whatever it's you know it's good so I quite enjoy I, quite, I, don't, I don't deliberately try to do things like that it's just playing what, what's almost in front of you and what, what comes up and I suppose kind of backing my skills that I'm going to be able to pull pull off and do whatever and execute whatever I try and whatever I'm trying um, occasionally it doesn't come off quite like that but um, that, that's part of it it's I suppose when I was younger, everyone would kind of say it's risky or you're a risk taker. But the kind of the mm. more, I've, the longer I've played, it's it's just how I play. It's I suppose less getting looked at as like a risk because it's not really that much. But I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think mm. it's that much of a risk. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident in my skills and myself to be able to do it. Is there like with that in mind? Is there any part of the game of of rugby like that that you don't like or that pisses you off? Um, kind of, I suppose, trying to get in the way of that. Uh, I don't think any tens like tackling or rucking, but um, apart from that, it's <laughs> <laughs> but I, I suppose, in a broad, no, in a broader it's... sense, like about about yeah, the game, like um, you know, I suppose the the there's, there's certain things about the game that's quite 
you know quite serious or quite controlling yeah. and uh um I, I struggled with that when i played you know there was a certain way of conforming to a to within a team or or style of play or just your general personality even yeah i think um I've, I'm, I don't know, I've kind of all just been myself. I remember when I first came to Glasgow, there's a few older players that maybe I probably didn't like the way that I went around my kind of business, the way I, I did stuff in the gym or on the field or things, because I was very relaxed, just having a laugh the whole time. But maybe not so much in the gym, but I'd kind of do my training, do what I needed to do out in the pitch, and in the gym I'd kind of have more of a laugh. Um, would they think, Finn, that you're not like, think, not taking it seriously or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd probably think, oh, he's this guy joking around, he's not taking it seriously, he doesn't want it. Or, I suppose it's just kind of, again, the modern players coming through and how everyone's kind of been different and and doing things differently to, to get the or the best outcome for, for themselves and for the team. Um, and I think that's, again, with the modern coaches and, and just the way the teams are going to be, there's going to be more and more players who are going to be like that and be able to like just be themselves through the week training and then on the pitch um, and I think that it could be challenging for coaches at times because coaches probably haven't worked with that many players who are maybe like that and they're going to have mm. to adapt and the modern coaches are going to have to be different and work alongside the modern players and and, and whatnot so I think that's one of the things that I love at Racing is the coaches are all very kind of understanding you can have a laugh have a joke with them but then when you when you're there on the pitch and you switch on, you've got to be 100%. It's good to be, you've got to be able to have the ability to do that. I mean, even in the gym, I mean, like, me and James are both kind of saying we have a laugh in the gym. We don't do as much as other players, but we can do enough to, to get by in there. Mm. As, long as, yeah, as long as we perform at the weekend. <laughs> exactly. It's an interesting one because, like, when you... When you take, like, let's say, real old school guys in the 90s who would have maybe transitioned from amateur to professional rugby, probably wouldn't have been huge in the gym either, right? So when I first started, like, 2003, 2004, um, you were working with guys like that who had a laugh in the gym or just got through the gym work, and it was all about the pitch. Um, Then I think rugby definitely got gym heavy and everyone wanted you know you were being judged how big you are how strong you are how much weights you were lifting and attitude in the gym attitude of at all aspects of training and probably got a little bit too serious right and now if the if the if what you're saying is that the balance is you know if guys want to be want to train like that then that's that's brilliant to have those guys in your team but it's also okay to have guys that need that outlet of the gym to be a bit of crack and then get onto the field and, and that's where it counts. Yeah, and no, I think, um, and uh, again, it's all individual. I mean, some some positions need to do the, to do the gym more than others. Um, and again, that could then be individual. Some individuals have to do it more than others. So um, one of the great things over here is the the players themselves know what they need to do and, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches are quite understanding with that um, especially with it being such a long season here they push us in the gym hard enough but after you've played five, six, seven, eight games in a the bounce they're, they're then cautious of actually right, well how much do you really need just now and they're, they're quite good at getting the balance right of and of how much you need to do in the gym and well for for, <laughs> for me and I find it not too bad mm. I don't know what other players would think but for me I've, I find it being okay if I go in and say I'm quite tired today after a few games, just like take it easy, just get ready for the weekend. 
it's almost worked the other way around for me. I've actually done probably more myself in the gym rather than at Glasgow. Um, when I was when I was always getting told that you have to do this, have to do that, and I was kind of like, nah, I don't want to do it. Maybe or mm. it, it's a different way of uh, of working with the players and working with the coaches to get the the, the best outcome. Mm. Like we're already talking about going to to South Africa next uh, summer for the Lions. Um, and obviously you've you've been there before, you've played with the Lions. Um, but I think this one is gonna be, you know, hopefully a big one for you. If you can uh if it goes ahead, well let's just not be presumptuous and think that, you know, or not let's not speculate, let's just presume it's going ahead. Um is that something a big a big one for you? Yeah, I'd love to go uh, on on our lines tour. Like you said, I went out to the last one but for, for ten days. Um so that was a good, no, it was an amazing experience. It was amazing to have done it. Um, I think, you know, the one next summer, it's it's going to be the back and it's going to be the back of a lot of players' heads that it's coming up. Everyone knows it's coming up. There's going to be a lot of hype around it. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to get on on the on the tour. Um, it's not up to me if I go or not. Because if it was, I, you know, I'd be there. But um, I, I'm just going to have to build. I'm going to have to keep playing the way I am and. I suppose kind of doing everything I can on the field to to get myself on uh, on that tour. Um, it's just not to me to to pick the team, but um, as yeah, I just need to play as well as I can at Racing. And I suppose for me, it's just play well with Racing, do my job here, and then if that if that goes well, then then do it with Scotland, and then hopefully, um, well, we'll see what happens after that. Um, it's just kind of yeah. I should play my best for for this this season, and well, not just this season, but keep it going the rest of my career. But um, mm. hopefully we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's a good bit of competition there, but I think what I I just love the idea of your like. There's a lot of conservative tens there that are kind of you know a brilliant tens. Don't get me wrong, and and the tens that can attack as well. Um, be interesting to see what what direction the the Lions coaches would go. And uh, I suppose even thinking back to, funnily enough, Gregor Townsend in, in 97, was that the 97 Lions when he he was very much a style, your style of player, uh, very attacking-minded. And uh, that was probably the most attacking-minded 10 that the Lions have had, as long as I can remember, um, funnily enough. So I, for one, would love to see a Lions side with you at the helm. Um but look, I think that's uh, that's loads, man. We've uh, we've taken up enough of your morning. Um, great to have you on. Um, is there any talks of you going back training over the next couple of weeks or anything? Um, I think in France they're getting like a different zones: red, yellow, and green. Um, in terms of coming out of lockdown, I think Paris is still one of the red areas. Um, there was talk a few weeks ago of us starting back. Start of June, middle of June. Or I suppose we'll have to wait and see because it can change every week. Um, but start back in, in small groups, maybe you know threes, fours, depending on on what the rules are. Um, so yeah, it's still. I think there's a they're, they're putting a plan together, but I think it's still kind of up in the air of what's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know things can things can change every every week, so. It's still, we're still waiting to see what, what's going to be the go ahead and and well, yeah I, I don't actually follow that much of it over here 
because it's all in French. So <laughs> right. I'm tending. I, I just wait to see what comes on the group chat. Just translate it into English, <laughs> and then hopefully I turn up on the right day. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the PlayStation in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the pitch, man, and uh, give all our love to Zeebs and Dunners if you pass them in the in the shopping center. Um, I will do. And yeah, we're we'd love to have you back in Limerick as well at some point. <laughs> cheers! All Thanks right, Finn. cheers, Finn. Thanks, buddy. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, welcome back to part four. Uh, over the weekend, we gave you all your classic homework to do. Each week, we'll be discussing classic movie, classic album, and a classic rugby match. Um, and let's see what we had. We had Leinster versus Ulster in the final of the Pro 12 and the RDS in 2013. It, why does Pat have in brackets here that it should have been in Ravenhill? Because you said Leinster versus Ulster. It was... Ulster versus Leinster. So we topped the league that year and our stadium, Kingspan Stadium, was getting um, getting built and ah. built at the time. So we had gone through, and this was a bit of an issue, actually. Boys were upset about this because um, I think it might have been like 10 weeks earlier or something. We were going through a bit of a rough patch. We'd been top of the league the whole season and then we'd started, you know, started struggling. And uh, apparently, I don't know, this is the way it was explained to us, Apparently, the, the powers that be at Ulster had the decision to either say, right, we can get the stadium ready, but we have to we have to start the process now. And if we start the process now, it'll cost whatever amount to get. It'll be like temporary structures for half of it, whatever whatever the mechanism was going to be. And uh, they said, they said, no, <laughs> let's not get the stadium ready. Let's not potentially waste a lot of money if we weren't going to be top of the league and get the home draw for the final anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so they decided to go for RDS. Now I'm sure, like people would say, like why they not go Casement Park or Windsor Park in Belfast or, and like a number of other um, options. But they decided to go right into the the Lions Den and RDS. Yeah, whose whose decision was that? Don't know, don't know. Um, but you're like, not, it's, you're it's, not, it's, it's you're not bitter about us, it, right? It's all, well good, it, yeah. it's all well and good us saying that now. But to be fair, we weren't playing that well at the time. And if they had to spend loads, it couldn't have worked. It might not work. It might have been the right decision at the time. It felt like in hindsight, it probably wasn't. But mm. uh, we were class that season. We were really good that year. And we were hammering mm. everyone. We were clear at the top, actually. Uh, was that one uh, of your was that one of your best Ulster teams you've played in, you reckon? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, watching it so back. many internationals and yeah uh, you were so physical man big side like yeah very physical very good in defence so it was it was the year before that we'd um, we'd had that run in Europe and then got beat by Leinster in the final again but then we got better into that season um, and as you say John Afoe was classed um, Johan Muller um, very good um, we had Nick at eight Nick was brilliant mm-hmm. for us Nick brilliant yeah um uh, Paddy and Stu obviously you saw the impact they had as well they were both class Ruan doing what he does uh, Jared Dan, Payne was brilliant Jared, Jared yeah and Dan Dan Tui big shots yeah yeah big shots like he was throwing his weight around and that was obviously Handy I'm not sure how old Handy was at that stage but he was keeping Handy off the team mm. which kind of shows the impact that he was having he was bashing fellas wasn't he mm. 
Um, yeah, it was it was it was very aggressive, very like as you said, so many internationals, seasoned internationals in that side. Like you had a lot of Irish players yourself and Tommy in the wings and uh, Jared, and then you'd your foreign signings were pretty pretty class with with PNR and Nick and Afoa and. Um, but I was kind of wondering, like, are they going to run out of steam here? Are they are they fit enough? Are they? But you didn't. You didn't run out of steam. Um, my biggest criticism, and I think it's, it's it was a sign of the times, was that you didn't go for the jugular on the few occasions that you could have. So yeah. you were so I think confident and reliant in PNR's boot that you kind of thought, let's just stay within striking distance. And like I think it was fifty three minutes, you got to 12 it was 19 12 or 12 19 let's say and uh they were down to 14 he had gotten whoever was simbined back on and he got a penalty uh, robbie. Robbie, robbie yeah Eric. that's right he got a penalty and he kicked at goal and he could have gone to the corner and there was just a couple of those, those occasions having said that though the maybe in around 75 minutes we got a penalty in their half breeze behind us and we went into the corner and I was watching it, like obviously, um, thir- like uh, seven years later, thinking, yeah, wonder what would happen if we took three there. And then having already nailed six penalties, that would have been Pinar's our seventh pen- penalty. He never misses. If you know, then we get the ball back, and it's it's a lot different if you're playing for a try, but you're playing also with the threat that the penalty can can make an impact on the scoreline as well. The penalty mm. would get us a draw, so they would have had to defend very differently. Again. Capped massive captain side <laughs> seven yeah, years later, and then the other one was Ro- like Robbie. Robbie should have scored that try in the first half. What was he oh, doing? Yeah. I was like, God, that was hard just, to watch. I was watching that, and I was uh, looking after the kids yesterday, and I was watching this, and I was getting not not just that, not just that, but just I puking. was getting. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting so right watching that game, but we were so we always had this thing in our head when John Lacey refs us, we don't we don't win, we just we can't win when Lacey's in charge, right? And that's mm. not what I've always had in my head. I remember Pinar especially. Lacey walks into the change room, and Pinar goes, "We can't win." well i watching the game back we were so stupid some stupid discipline was poor chris Chris henry who's a big fan of the show and i know he's probably he could be listening to this now and i'm sorry chris to throw you under the bus (laughs) but your penalty on 60 minutes it was a big moment because that was when keen healy got his try when they they kicked to the corner and yeah was it the foot was he was it when he kicked it at the back of the rock, yeah, he two, yeah, he did two stupid ones. Yeah, <laughs> it was one. I, I know he did. It was, I think it was the foot one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember Chris telling me at one stage he used to feel like he could trick referees by grabbing the opposition uh, by the arm and patting the ball back with their own hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's there's yeah. the talk of a typical number seven. He didn't get away with that time, and so, there were loads of other stupid Johan gave away stupid penalties. Um, um, Robbie, um, Chris, Robbie DX, uh, face when he didn't score that try, his life looked <laughs> like it flashed before his eyes. Like, what have I done? Yeah, um, the other thing I enjoyed was your face when you had a free kick, uh, from a mark, I think, and you had Shouldn't to, have it. you had to, you had to kick the touch, and your facial expression before you knew you were kicking the touch gave me zero confidence that this was going to be a good kick. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you missed you missed touch. <laughs> it was kind of like you're saying, oh, fuck. Oh, off. no, I shouldn't have marked it. Just run. <laughs> run and tackle. Those are your two things. Just yeah. run and tackle. <laughs> but you did get a very good turnover for Penno at one point, and you almost had a, had an interception off, uh, off the Dev Toner's loose enough pass. Yes, that was, that was it. That was my contribution. We, I, I think John Lacey gave loads of penalties for tackle not release. And I mm. think it must have been, again, I don't know what year that law was brought in, but it must have been close enough because we hadn't a clue. And to be fair, a couple of Leinster penalties as well, which we just we didn't mm. understand the rule. And then I don't know who it was on COCOMs, didn't understand the rule either. Because <laughs> Reggie, assist, Reggie, I think it was Reggie Cargan. Was yeah, it Reggie? I didn't. don't think it was. I thought yeah. it was at the time, but it was the only kind of, uh, I think it anyway, was, yeah. Um, uh, so tackler assist, obviously, if you're, if you contribute in any way to the player, being brought down if you make any contact with mm. them then you're a tackler assist mm. and you have to let go so like no one understood that no one got it uh, <laughs> he, it was even a sign of the times he didn't even understand the high tackle because when when uh and the got hot, got yellow carded for pulling back paddy by the neck he was like now i'm not defending what he did there but then he did defend what he did. He was like, <laughs> "Hey, buddy, that's not a high tackle. When you're in that situation, do you have to do any? You have to go to any 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 stretch of the imagination to stop them. You'll do anything." So, like, he didn't take his head off or anything. He just grabbed him by the <laughs> grabbed him by the collar. Yeah, I think it was uh, which, Paddy as well. Like that that yeah. line break and his passing. He just whips passes out so mm. well. Everything like he was so he was so important. Everything we did, and he was so fit as well. Like he, like that's in around seventy minutes, and he still is just as explosive as he was the whole game. I'd, I'd just, just to clear one thing up, we were wrong about Lacey hundred percent that day. When I watched it back, I was like, literally every single decision he nailed, you and know, we were okay. just like complaining and bitching and moaning, and we were so stupid. So mm-hmm. just to completely vindicate Lacey, he was spot on. He was brilliant that day. To be fair. And any any Leinster fans, uh, I suppose I I did kind of watch this with a total Ulster hat on because I knew I'd be talking to you. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd say if an Ulster, if a Leinster fan was watching that back, or even a player, they've been. I suppose it was a it was a sign of a good team to win, uh, despite like how well he played and how much how physical he were and how much of the game. Uh, I think he controlled a lot of it. He, he did a lot of you know I, you know I had a lot of the more positive moments um but Leinster just stuck it out and knew how to win um and obviously an exceptional team as well they just looked a bit i don't know they looked a little bit more had the, that killer instinct a little bit more maybe well it was summed up by the, the contrast when uh jimmy had no right to score that try mm. but he got a latch he got his legs going and he managed to get over and yeah, by, by contrast. So, yeah, Robbie. Yeah, tries to. I don't know what he's trying to. Hopefully, Robbie. Robbie. I don't think he will. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, that up there were one of the most disappointing losses you've ever had in your entire life. Uh, make you to make you sad, yeah. Yeah, it, did, it just it didn't make me sad. It just made me ratty. I was really ratty yesterday when I was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it out, Nana. It's not your fault, Nana. It's Lacey's. <laughs> <laughs> it was Lacey's fault either. It's our fault. <laughs> um, anyway, Interstellar. Interfeckenstellar. 2014, was it? Yeah. Directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher and his brother Jonathan. Great fellas, to be fair. Um, 
get now to the fundamentals. Um, we talked about this beforehand with Dermot, our um, who uh, we're not going to bring on, but he was our uh, he was our our correspondent for Bon Iver last week. He uh, he pointed out that it was shot in IMAX or something like that. I don't know what that means, but it was shot in a very large, wide frame, um, which is quite unusual. But I do remember, which made it. Uh, very striking, I think, but I do remember seeing it in the cinema and being one of the, and still probably the best film I've ever seen in the cinema, just with the different visuals that were going on. You had space, you had the farm, you had the different planets, you had the spaceship, you had the other world on the space, the other spaceship, you had just so many. It was like a visual feast for my eyes. My palette of my eyes was like, ah. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, my my, oh, my eyes were just like stuffing their faces. Uh, mm, seven course, seven course meal, none of them, and uh, popcorn, pick and mix, you name it. Yeah, and even uh, my 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 ears, the music is so good in it. Um, quite loud at times, but uh, just the I couldn't hear the the audible um the some of the conversations, but the music is quite striking. The strings and this quite um I don't know, it builds a lot of tension. Oh yeah, especially the bit when they get to uh, Matt Damon's um, planet, and I mm. couldn't quite remember. I confused, I confused um, Interstellar with a couple of movies, The Martian, of especially the bits with Matt Damon, and mm. then I also confused it with um, Gravity, the Clooney and Sandra Bullock movie. Mm. Again, in the cinema, I remember Gravity, love and Gravity, but um, but never one you'd watch again. I've never felt the need to watch Gravity. I've never again. felt the need. Yeah, if you said Where to I've, me, I watched Interstellar ten movie. times. Yeah, really? no. no. I've watched no. it out of ten times, yeah, at least. Oh geez, I've only watched it like maybe only my third time or something. But but yeah, the music whenever Matt Damon comes on, it you know straight away you're like, ah, oh, this is gonna go wrong. Yeah, well, the use of the the, the actors in it first and foremost are, are incredible. Like it's okay, Matthew McConaughey, and they just keep dropping in these actors. You got John Lithgow is his father-in-law, Michael Caine, Anne Hathaway, uh, Wes Bentley, Timothy Chalamet. Jessica Cla- Clastain and Casey Affleck. And then, as you said, boom, Ben Affleck, or what's his name? Ben Affleck. Uh, Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Ben and, Russell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you think he's, you think, right? You assume that it's Ben, it's Matt Damon. He's going to be a good guy. Um, he's always a good guy. And uh, then he just fecks them over the biggest goal that has ever lived. What a goal of a human being, like ever. And uh, that's very clever use of casting because you're kind of it takes you completely by surprise. Um, and but yeah, they, I thought the use of all of those actors are brilliant. Matt, Matthew McConaughey took a little bit of getting used to right in the first twenty yeah. minutes when he's strolling around and he's remind me um, that he had already had he done Wolf Wall Street and done what do you call that um, series that he did. With the, the oh yeah, uh, true detective. Yeah, had he done that? But it, so basically, was he? No, I'd say stage? they're a bit later. Let's say a bit later. Um, so he was, this might have been his turnaround then, like similar to what we were talking about before with um, Justin Timberlake and mm. Channing, Channing Tatum. Mm. He <laughs> could have been because he was himself. always like, yeah, ten things I hate about you and that kind of douchey stuff. Yeah, where you'd be like, yeah. Whereas in this, and he's a bit at the start, like when he's walking around NASA and they're trying to explain what NASA, what they're doing. And you're like, why would they be doing this to this random lad who showed up? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, right, get me through that. But um, essentially, it's you know, it's a space travel thing. So they get to space, and then it's all about love in the end, and the 
and uh, like there's a few moments in this film that like the emotion I went through watching it yesterday, the tears, mm. the like there's there's a few things that happen in it that are so jarring and inconceivable for my brain to even comprehend. And they're groundbreaking for film. Uh, just the concept of like relativity. So they will go down to this planet for a quick trip and it might, it'll be a few years on earth. So they're, and the, how quickly they make that first decision to go down to Miller's planet to mm-hmm. try and say, try and see if it's habitable. And they're like, he comes up with the idea McConaughey. Look, if we do it like this, where we park outside the, the kind of planet's gravitational pull, then we can then shuttle down on one of the buses and we'll be back in back in about 20, 25 minutes. And uh and and you know that'll work. And then the other guy goes, Ron, the the, the nerdy guy goes, Yeah, that's fine. I'll I'll stay here and I can do a bit of work on the black hole. And it's like, that's two years. He goes, You'll be that'll be two years on the ship. Imagine someone going to you, I'm just going down to the shop and uh, I'll be back in 20 minutes. And you'll be like, Yeah, but that's two years for me. What am I gonna do? They'd be like, Watch a, watch a few box sets. Watch, Come, watch. Cover yourself in water. Get in that wee tank there. <laughs> <laughs> Zip yourself watch, up. Watch normal people. Normal people in the box sets. Brilliant. Watch, yeah, have you seen the... Spread it seen, out. Spread it yeah, out as well. <laughs> You've got two years, man. Have you seen the Michael Jordan documentaries? Brilliant. Like, and then and then they go down and your man, your one makes a bollocks of it, Anne Hathaway, and then they come back and it's been 23 years. Okay, so I, I, I one um, interesting observation about this was um, uh, when they're making this, they've gone, right, okay, we have to, 20, what was it, 23 years? 23 years. 20, um, 23 years, they've gone, right, okay, um, Murph, age her 23 years, age everyone else, and they've gone, mm, no, Michael Caine. <laughs> They've gone oh no, he's as old as the hills. Um, <laughs> stick him in a wheelchair. Do- stick him in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Make him look sad. <laughs> can you, how can you can you get the look of that he smells of piss in some ways? They kind of dye his hair for the first for the first hour when he's supposed to be uh, younger. Yeah, I think. That's hilarious. There's all sorts of issues. Like the time, any any time travel movie is riddled with issues. Like when did that happen mm. for Back to the Future? Like you know, mm. yeah. you know who? What came first, the chicken, chicken or the egg? Yeah. So when they uh, when they arrive back up after 23 years, and Ron opens the door, and Matt McConaughey's like, "Well, Ron," and he just walks past him, and Ron's there like with a blanket. <gasps> uh, he's been here 23. That too was casual. way, way too casual. Way. But then, but then you have to think, he's just thinking like, imagine being, this is where I'm saying it's inconceivable. Imagine realizing that your your children are now in their 30s and it's like been an hour for you. And then like, this is prover, this is further proven at the end when himself and Murph are in the hospital together and she's in the bed and it's so emotional and you're crying and you're watching it going, oh, this is so sad, but it's so good to see them back together and Murph must be going like, oh my God, this is unbelievable that I get to see him again and what are the chances? And the other people in the room and the nurses are like, whoa, this is insane. But McConaughey's only been gone two weeks and his, his daughter, yeah. his daughter, not in his head, he's only been gone two weeks. Yeah. His daughter yeah. is 70, or he's like in her 90s. Imagine going to, you going, going away for two weeks now and coming back and... And uh, <laughs> at least it's just like, well, did you yeah. did you solve the formula? 
Molly, yeah. play too. Did you watch Normal People? <laughs> yeah, that's that's really jarring, man. Um, so uh, while I was watching it, I had the realization that um, I've been thinking about this lately. What we're all kind of getting a little bit nostalgic during all this time, right? So um, we all kind of want things maybe to be to back to where they were, or else. Uh, at least this will change us to make us go back to some way different that was simpler times back in when we were younger, right? And this is kind of what they're trying to do with McConaughey when they put his house up on the on the ship at the end. And they're like, look, you're in your old house. It's all mm-hmm. grand. And he says, um, he says something like, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to where I was yeah. or, yeah. um, he he. What does he say? Actually, I want to see where we're going. I want to see where we're going next. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's that's it. Exactly. What he said, I want to see where we're going next. So it kind of just got me thinking about where you know this is obviously going to change the world now, but be interesting to see what direction we go in. Um, will we all slow down now and become a little bit more? Do you ever think that Ireland could be more like an island, a bit more island life? Like we came too commercialized and too. Um, kind of yeah too corporate and we could become a little bit more like a bit more of an island life for where yeah but we need just, cash we need cash though yeah but we could just just do surf lessons <laughs> <laughs> something like that go busking that brings us on to our um uh our album of the week perfectly lovely segue yes it does this is this is why i chose this um in between dreams, Jack Johnson reminds me of a time when Celtic Tiger was booming and we were making loads of money and everyone wanted to be a surfer and listen to Jack Johnson. And we all bought surfboards and we all went and shopped in tubes and all these surf shops and yeah. wore beanies and flowery shorts with uh, flip flops. And, uh, uh, it was a, it was a cool, it was a cool thing that he did. I think that that style of music, very mainstream. I'll, I'll, I'll have it. I'll, I'll take that. But he changed a lot of the vibe of the world. Did he change it, or was it already there? And he just went. Actually, he went. He didn't do what you were talking about. <clears throat> let's be more islandy and do um, surf lessons. He went. You know what? Here's a, here's a business opportunity. Here's a, <laughs> yeah. Here is a culture that is just ripe for the picking. I've got some crappy little, I've got a wee guitar here. I'm just singing this <laughs> crappy song. Like crappy same old chords you hear in every song nowadays. <laughs> this is perfect for now. I'm going to cash in on this and then I'm going to uh, ride off into the sunset. Sorry to be the, sorry to be the cynic. No, no, it's an interesting take because um, I, I think that's the cynical way of looking at it. But that is what happened. Uh, so he's just living his life. He's a professional surfer. He so loves believe, playing. I, the way it was described to me was um, he's he's a way better surfer than he than he is a singer songwriter. Is that like? I think he's a great guitar. I went to his gig in Cork in the Cork. What's it called? Marquee about two years ago, and it was phenomenal. Like there's a guy who's who's a musician he can play multiple instruments really really good lyricist lovely melodies um and his show is so laid back and really well put together and just natural 
and it just looked like you're watching someone who's really in the zone of what he's doing. So back to the point about the commercial thing and whether he took advantage. He's, uh, he was just living his life. He's a surfer dude, loves playing the guitar, loves that way of life. And then he's just doing his thing. But in your 20s, I think when you're a musician and you're, you're kind of doing that, you tend to probably, like if, if history will show us that the most, uh, like Mike, what's his name? Uh, Mac, Dave McWilliams went on about this in his podcast last week where guys in their 20s, musicians in their 20s tend to kind of set the trends and we hand over the reins to them because they're probably writing music at that time of their life that's, that's a little bit more mainstream or whatever frame of mind you're in. As, they get, as player, people get older, like Jack Johnson, a lot of his newer stuff for the last 20 years has been a little bit more obscure because he's getting older. He's writing about different things. So it's not as digestible for the mainstream audience. So uh, it just was a weird thing that happened. Mumford and Sons kind of did that, right? They changed the whole thing from like, they, it almost went from surfy vibe to like, now we're all uh, wearing tweed and we're folky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, because like the Celtic Tiger came along, we were all like, no one had ever surfed or really done any of those outdoorsy laid back things in Ireland. We're all too bitter. And then uh, we all got loads of money in the Celtic Tiger. And we were like, yeah, we have hobbies now. We surf. <laughs> we do. And then Mumford and Sons came along and said, oh, no, the recession. We're all poor. Let's wear tweed again and not shave. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, um, we had a number of nights out with Ulster. And it must have been in around the time of uh, Mumford and Sons. And there must have been maybe four or five um, team um, nights out in a, in a row where we had we were like think of a theme we need a theme for this night out and every single time we just ended up in tweed <laughs> just like Declan <laughs> Fitzpatrick it was, it was always he always like he was always like what about country gents let's be country gents <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough anytime uh we got out for for drinks we were dressed in tweed and it was because of Mumford and Sons there you go and it was we board shorts before week. that 10 years earlier Yes, <laughs> those gammy, those gammy flowery shorts. But Tell like that's, that, that, that's ben, not, ben yeah. Howard. Do you know Ben Howard? Mm, lovely he, blend of the two. Was he something? Yeah, was he something similar? Yeah, um, and his music has gone way out there um, over the last few years. He's yeah. he's br- and and brilliant, but not great to watch at a festival. It's all an electric picnic, and it was snoozeville. But um, he's uh, he's very out there, and he's kind of a blend of the two, a bit folky and a bit. Uh, Surfery, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, um, what'll be what'll be next? Who knows? <laughs> just just a quick one, right? Um, so so last week, just we need to be careful, especially in the music one, that we don't get too philosophical and um, and pretentious. <laughs> because I got a text from someone last week, um, and the text goes like this: "Hey, mate. Um, so after last week's podcast, I decided to give Bonnie Bear a listen, and all I can say is dot dot dot." pure balls <laughs> <laughs> and he says you did a good and uh, a good job of feigning interest but i know you're in the same page anyway trust you well <laughs> uh yeah see he just doesn't get it man that guy needs to um that guy or girl needs to just it's a boy it's a boy it's a boy it's a, it's a boy um yeah look that it's not for everyone i'll give it i'll give that we're not here to kind of shove stuff down your throat we're just saying what we like man um, ask that guy for for a recommendation. We'll see where his tastes lie because it's easy to I shit think on it'll something. Be, it'll be um, Oasis. Be here now, which I love. I love, but it'll yes. be yeah. 
yeah no yeah definitely Ma- matchbox 20 <laughs> yeah Alrighty, yeah. look, um, we'll move on to penguins because um, there's there's uh, quite a quite a lot of penguin action this week. I was getting plenty of positive stuff. I, I can I start one and then I will let you take over, please. Yeah. Uh, Jack Lavery got on to me. He uh, had an accident last week where he had a seizure and fell over and dislocated his shoulder and broke his ribs and did loads of damage. He's bedridden for a while. He has a four year old son and a wife who's due in three weeks do a baby she's not arriving um and he's uh we just want to give him a shout out he loves the show and it's getting him through it not sure if it's getting his wife through it um <laughs> yeah. but uh it's getting him through it anyway so big shout out to jack and i hope you're well look after play jack good man yeah um uh yeah the penguins have been brilliant uh recently very they're making their presence felt um the facebook group's going great plenty of chat in there um the only one issue our integrity needs um needs checked in the facebook group someone was someone's flogging stuff in the facebook group oh, wait <laughs> someone's flogging masks in the facebook group um and then other <laughs> someone else was like flogging um like lions memorabilia like signed jerseys saw that yeah yeah that's disgraceful <laughs> we're like done deal yeah 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 <laughs> We should be getting a cut. We were happy to sign it off if we get a cut. Yeah, if anyone wants to sell their garden furniture or anything like that, um, if yeah, we we maybe. <laughs> although, average, although average. I don't think it would be pretty, um, it'd be pretty stinking of us to to capitalize on on you know take a cut out of coronavirus masks. To be fair, so we're not gonna. That's not no. a business we want to get into. Um, but just uh, garden, someone's getting garden into furniture it. and memor- memorabilia. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, plenty of chat about Ginger. Um, Ginger's become a bit of an iconic um, talking point um, for the Penguins. Stuart Hill mm. loves it. Matt McKnight is on fire with the artwork. Um, great addition. I would like mm. to see Matt, just to task you for next week, I'd like you to um, create a cartoon of Ginger and the Mouse, um, Tom and Jerry. Some, some, listen, you're going to be more creative than we can be with that, so we'll just leave yes. you to that. Stick Stuart the fox in there, the, sh- the shouting the fox. fox well. Yes, a hybrid of, of me and Barry's two lives at the minute. Mm. Um, uh, Stuart McMullen uh, shared a great video um, of an arctic berg um, attacking penguins and kind of showed the strength in numbers um, of, our, of our penguins, of our followers so brilliant. despite that. all that um, the penguin of the week goes to um, <laughs> Shane Schmack now <laughs> I don't know if that's I, I, I'm going to take this at face value let's hope this is Shane's real name Shane Schmack, fair play to Shane uh, great from Galway. Name. Yeah, great name. Yeah. Uh, he put in a video. <laughs> I never, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, he put in a video of Fla swinging a wild boot uh, in a famous Connacht win over Leinster in 2003. And this was the prelude to Alexis Palisson, uh, when mm. he landed, landed on his thigh and landed himself a hefty ban at the same mm. time. So penguins are in fine form. Penguin. It was week. like it was like like a like a criminal uh, case where someone would go in and plead their innocence. Like it's so out of character for me. Um, I would never do something. I would never kick someone like that. And then some gene like a movie, some genius lawyer, lawyer, or like their assistant would would come running from the back uh, through the burst through the doors with a DVD in their hand, and it would be Shane Schmack. Shane Schmack's there. <laughs> and he hands him the DVD and he shows him the piece of evidence from, from the Connacht match back in the 1980s. And Fla, like, absolutely. I don't know who he kicked. You know who he kicked? 
It was no. Uh, no, he missed. He missed it. Um, I couldn't even work out who it was. Who either of the players were? Some Connaught player makes a good. Sorry, he, a good he missed solid him. Hit. He missed him. He missed yeah. him. But someone else hoofed the ball away. A good bit before Fahar <laughs> <laughs> A good bit. And he, he was swing. still swinging. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, Gilles. very good. Yeah. Okay, so Shane Schmack. Pang of the week, Shane. Nice one. Better, way better. Ah! <laughs> uh, alrighty, that's been a, a long, lovely show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but the sun is still shining, the blue skies are still out, so I'm gonna go and make some daisy chains. Um tell Ginger and uh the mouse I was asking for them. I will do uh, tell um the fox who said hi. I will, of course. Um thank you to everyone again and Joe for putting this show together for uh your genius work on stringing like our ramblings and visuals together you're you're incredible and that is pat paul dermot and anthony of course every week Thank you. every week we make it as challenging as possible as mm. if we say edit that fellas huh? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this one's been cleaning off foxes and babies um all righty this has been baz and andrews how's the rugby here on joe together with guinness party on You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.